the people that came up came up for all other reasons, and they all got their miracle. So God works no matter what because His Word is what works. His Word in you, and and uh, I hope you came with a soft heart, teachable heart, so that the Word will fall in good ground and it will grow. And God's Word only grows up; it doesn't grow down. Before we get started, I'm, I'm gonna a couple of scriptures that I need to share with you because as I was studying. The scriptures really, uh, you know, are made for a night like this, you know, and and it's Proverbs twelve one. I don't know if you have the Passion translation, but if you don't have the Passion, I'm gonna read it to you. And it says Proverbs twelve one. It says to learn the truth, you must long to be teachable. And the truth is the word. The truth is the word of God. Anything we hear in the world, we don't know if it's true or not. You know, most of the time it's not. But when we hear the Word of God, it's always true. So if you want the truth, you need to look in the Word because the Word is the truth. But if you don't come with a teachable heart, you know, I mean, then that, that's your problem, you know. It says, it says, to learn the truth, you must long to be teachable. I mean, long. You must be hungry to be, i got to be teachable. I, mean, I don't know everything. But the problem with the world, when they first come to a church, they think they know more than the pastors. They think more than, than you know, anybody. They think they know it all, and they kind of rationalize everything, you know. They, they say, well, they're doing this for this, and they're doing it for that. And, and they look around, you know, and see what, who's wearing what, and who's driving what car, you know. And, and then they start, you know, because that, that's their nature. Their nature is to accuse. Their nature is to question everything. But once you get full of the Holy Spirit, as you're going to find out tonight, you know, that your nature changes. Hallelujah. So the rest of the scripture says, um, to learn the truth, you must long to be teachable. Or, everybody underline or. Well, I didn't know they had it up there. How about that? Yeah. Uh, or, you can despise correction and remain ignorant. Because on Bible study, you're going to get corrected, you know. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's different than most services. You know, I mean, you have, you have uh, evangelists, teach preachers, you know, and then you got some that make you dance and ju- jump up and down, and, you know. But, uh, but when, you, when you get taught, when you sit down and learn, somewhere in, the, in that teaching, you're going to be corrected. And so you have to be, you have to uh, de- do not despise correction because you remain ignorant. So God is actually telling you that when you don't know the word, you're ignorant. You know, so you might as well look in the mirror and says, "I'm ignorant." You know, I gotta go learn the truth so I can so I can learn something. Hallelujah. In Proverbs twelve three, also in the Passion translation, three, you can't expect success by doing what's wrong. And a lot of people do what's wrong. Because they haven't been taught yet, you know. They think that's the way should, the world acts. That's what your friends told you to do. And so you start following that advice. But it says you can't expect success by doing what's wrong. And in the world, everybody thinks they're right, you know. And, and you got to understand, where well, I don't know if they're right or not, but i got to get teachable in the Word of God so that the Word will tell me what's right and what's wrong. Why? Because he's going to put the Spirit of God in you, which is your teacher, and the Spirit of God was going to correct you before you even say do anything. I'll, I'll let you know how that happens in a little while. Okay. But the lives of the lovers, uh, see what I said. But 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 the 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 lives of of his lovers are deeply rooted and firmly planted. So that's why you have to come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and and be teachable, having uh, a soft heart. Because then you're, you, you will, the word will fall in good ground and it will be deeply planted. And, and, and it's, so, it's so amazing when you learn this because, because as you're deeply planted, you go to sleep and you wake up. You go to sleep and you wake up. And then the plant starts to come up maybe weeks later. And you don't know what's going on. So then you got to keep coming, you know. And then go to sleep, wake up. And all of a sudden, you're a changed person. You walk in. You got a little rhythm to yourself. You got to... You know, you, you move around a little bit, you know, and then pretty soon you, you, you see them dancing. What's happening? You know, the, the plant is growing, you know. It's not you. It's God in you. 
Hallelujah. Proverbs 12, 15, in the Passion Translation. A fool is in love with his own opinion. How many have heard, when you, when, before you heard all this, you heard people talking to your friends, and they all had opinions, right? I mean, everybody has an opinion. I hear all the time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not listening purposely, but I hear people, well, I think, when, I, when, when somebody starts there with, I think, I just forget, man, I don't care what they think, you know? Because that means that it's an opinion. I think we should do this. I think, you know, it's the word I think, you know? Because the way I live is I know. I don't think I know what I got to do because I learned from the Word of God what He told me to do. So I'm not a fool, but you don't want to be a fool, right? So don't be in love with your own opinion. But wisdom means being teachable. So if you want to be a wise person, then be teachable. How many teachable do we have here? Okay. I gave homework like a couple of weeks ago, and I think. Uh, uh, Perlita gave her report, uh, but I, I gave a, uh, another, uh, you know, Theodosia, the other, there were two people, and uh, she didn't bring it last week, so I'm going to let her do it today, but, uh, but it's, it's all teaching, right? Take it, you know, take it to heart, and then I'm going to come back and start right on the Word, you know? So I'm not going to talk a lot, I'm just going to give you the Word of God, Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jesse. Okay, so hopefully some of you guys have read Ephesians 4, 25 to Ephesians 5, 7. If not, that's okay. You can still read it. Um, so in reading that chapter, I had to go to the verse 1. Because um, verse 1, I'm not trying not to take much of time because Pastor Jesse told me not to. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to try to do a quick summary, but it's good. It's like, I mean, just read, read it, but start with verse one. Um, so live a life calling to which we have been called, um, wishes according to the gospel. That is to live a life that represents godly characters, moral con con um, courage, personal integrity, and mature behavior. A life that expresses, that gives gratitude to things um, of the things of God, and that gives honor to God, our Heavenly Father, for our salvation. And so in order to be able to even do that, we have to um, get rid of, and this is what the chapter talks about from verse um, 25 all the way to 7, is that we have to put off, and the definition of put off is to delay, um, and to, and I also put down to get off, to loose, you know, the grip of something, to get rid, and that's to remove and to kill, and that's to put death, your old ways. The ways, the things that kept you separated from the Lord, and you can look up Isaiah 59 too. The things that kept you away, which Pastor Jesse talked about, and he also talks about in that chapter, in this chapter two, is times that you were stealing, lying, fornicating, adultery, you know, just all types of different things that elicit. We have to put away those old ways. You know, hatred, it talks about being angry, don't allowing the sun to go down on you. It's okay to be mad, but don't stay there. Because once you stay there, then that's when you open the door to the enemy. Um, and then you can also read Ephesians 2, verse 11 to 13. Read Romans 3, verse 2. And then um, it also talks about in order for us to do these things and live the life that we're supposed to live as a believer. And he's talking to the believers. He's not talking to the sinners. Because a sinner, as, you know, as we keep hearing, will do what sinners know how to do. Sin. Because <laughs> we did it. We were out there. We thought we knew it all. I thought I knew it all. You know, like, you pissed me off. I ain't say much, but you come in my face, I'm, I'm going to knock you out. But that's not the life that we live. I, I'm being honest. That's not the life that we live as a believer. 
So now where, where's my battles fault? They fought on my knees. I don't have to lift a finger. I don't have to get in your face. I just go to my daddy. And when I go to my daddy, you better watch out because he's worse than me. So, okay. So that's just a little side note. <laughs> So then, in order to be able to live according to what the Bible says, we have to imitate God. And how do you imitate God? By knowing who he is, by knowing his character, by knowing who Christ is. And it doesn't, yes, we have to come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, but what are you doing on Monday, Tuesdays, Thursday, Fridays? And Saturday. So you have to continue to be in your word and, and repeating. Because I found myself Monday, repeating Wednesday, repeating Sunday, repeating Saturday while I was at work. My patient was sleeping, so don't worry about it. While I was at work, I was repeating it in my ears because it was that good. And it had encouraged me. So what are you doing during those times? Are you feeding yourself? Are you learning how to imitate and um, to be an example as a children who follows their father? And 2 Corinthians 6, 18. And he says that I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And then also, our salvation um, has been bought. It's been paid for. We cannot lose it. You know, God has already given it to us. So why not continue to walk in it? Why not continue to pursue it? Why not continue to embrace it? We can't, like, as you know, Pastor Jesse said it, as well as um, Pastor Sandy, why come to church and just sit here? Why come to church and just, you know, you don't take notes. I know some people think they can retain it, but if you look up how much the brain retains, it doesn't retain that much. So take notes and go back to it. Um, that's another side note. Um, also, 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Come away, come from among unbelievers and be separated, says the Lord, and do not touch what's unclean, and I will graciously receive you and welcome you with favor. And that was the Amplify. So in order, again, to live that life that God has called us to live, we have to separate ourselves. We have to remove ourselves from ungodly things. And it continues to go on and speaks how to remove yourself, you know, that... And it also talks about how, you know, that we, we have a choice. And if you look in Ephesians 4, 27, it tells us that, so I have, you have to lose, you have to choose not to allow the devil a foothold, give him an opportunity to cause you to sin. And the only way that you can do that, again, it goes back, be an imitation, imitator of God. That's why I give uh, homework right there. Because if I, if, if I have to teach one at a time, then I do that. See? She got it. But you got to go back and you, re you study those scriptures that I gave her because everybody should have wrote them down. And you, get, you, you might get something completely different, but it's from God. You know? Thank you, Lord Jesus. So let's go right into the word. Uh, Colossians 2.13 in the uh, NLT. Colossians 2.13 in the NLT. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive. Everybody say hallelujah. With Christ. For he forgave all our sins. There's something for you to be rejoicing about when you leave and you give your heart to Jesus. You know, before you started church... You were dead. Basically, that's what he's telling you. We thought we were alive, but we're not. We were dead. We had the nature of the devil. And once we started church, some, some people picked it up the same day. Some picked it up after the third or fourth session. But all of a sudden, the nature of God came in you. Your sins were forgiven, and you had a clean uh, inner body for so that the spirit could come and live in you. And the, and the Spirit of God cannot live where sin is, you know. 
So most people don't know that, you know, so they come in, what happened to me, you know, and, and that the nature of God starts in you before you, your brain even understands it. So Colossians 2.13 in the Passion Translation, it says, this realm of death describes our former state. How many of you had a former state? See, we all came some, from somewhere. And, I, and I, I, I get a kick out of watching people because I've been doing teaching for like I don't know how many years, you know. And I always see the new converts and ones that come in, you know. And then they start, you know, uh, all of a sudden we see a lot of new people. And I go back to the basics. I go back to like from the beginning, you know, so you know what actually what was happening to you. Because they come in because they kind of all got their arms crossed, you know. They look like, you know, they don't, they don't belong, you know. You could just pick them up, you know. But then all of a sudden, uh, a year later, six months later, they're, they're like fanatics, you know. I mean, they come in dancing through the door, you know. And, and I, I'm watching all this. I watch the change in them. Right? And, and so, so once you understand what's happening, well, your nature begins to change. See? You had the nature out there, and everybody thought they can beat everybody up, you know. And, and, and you don't want nobody to look at you wrong. You blow the horn at people, you know. I've seen people give the hand signals to other people, you know. And, and, and you always, like, shake your head because, you know, they're like, man, what's wrong with these people? They blow their horn so you get out of their way. And, you know, you're, you're going the right miles an hour. And, and <laughs> that's, that's a nature, you know. That's their nature, you know. Hallelujah. Man, and you got to remember that so you know what God did for you, you know. So, so uh, for we were held in sin's grasp. See, underline that. We, you, you, you were held in sin's grasp. Something was holding you like that. But now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return. For we are, for, we are forever alive and forgiven of all our sins. Did you hear me? There's something to be rejoicing about. So take notes and listen, you know. Our sinful nature was crucified with Christ. And then he imparted, then he imparted the Holy Spirit in us. So it was a nature that you had in it, and that was crucified. So what is nature? Nature is an inner force such as, such, as an, such as an instinct or appetite or a desire or a temperament. See? So all of that, that was an inner force, temperament, desire, that was in you. That was the nature that was in you. It was body and mind. If your body wanted it, you wanted anything your body wanted, anything your little beady eyes saw, you wanted it. And, and, and you had no control over yourself because you had the nature of sin. Sin had a grasp on you, so you couldn't see. It's, that's the difference between getting in the Word of God or just going to a teaching or getting counseling. A counselor can tell you what to do and what not to do, and you make loads. Well, I can't drink, I can't smoke, I can't do this, I can't do whatever, you know. And you're not going to keep it because you still have a grasp. The nature, you still have the nature of those things. You know, so you can't do it by, by your brain, but just, okay, I'll obey you, I won't do it. Because you have to change the whole inside of you. You have to, you have, to have a new nature in order to, uh, to start uh, practicing, you know, the kingdom of God principles, you know. Because then you're going to have help. Yeah, you're still going to have to change and not do those things. But now you got the Holy Spirit in you, that spirit in you, that will, that will make you feel better if you do do it. You know, I think Pastor George covered this one thing. He said uh, he had said a bad word of something he was doing. I remember the same thing. I was fixing a, I was fixing a tire, and, and I was just a born-again believer for maybe, I don't know, the first year or two. And, and I hit my head on the car, and, and boom, a bad word came out. And, and I, I cried that day. I cried because that wasn't me. Where did that word come from? You know, it just came from, you know, from that, because that's what we were for years and, but, but now the nature of God is in me, so I cried and asked God to forgive me because, because that's my new nature. And so now I know, you know how to control it because it's, it, before I couldn't control it. We just b blasted bad words every night and whenever we wanted to. Hallelujah. 
So it's a nature that has to change. See, without God, ever said without God? We could not help but sin. So you can go to church all you want. And if nobody ever tells you how you can become a new spirit born in Christ and, and the old man dies, you can't help yourself. You can't, you can't stop sinning because you still have that nature in there. Hmm. We could not help but to sin. It was our nature. Believe that. Understand that. You came from that nature, but now you changed. And now when people start seeing the difference, they want to ask you, what happened to you? Well, I don't have my same nature I used to have. I have the nature of Christ. And you might get ridiculed by it, but that, you know, and some people fall back to the old life because they can't take ridicule. They might laugh at you, but, you know, hey, I know the truth and you don't. Now, hallelujah. We can still sin, and some do. But it's not in our nature. That's what changed. You can still sin, you know, and some do because they got they, after they come Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday night, Wednesday night for like six months, and then it starts going away from them, you know. Because it's not in our nature. You don't. You, you might do it, but you'll feel really bad about it, and you'll repent and you say, "Man, I got to stop. Doing, I can't do that anymore," you know. See. So so we feel bad. Then that's the help. That's that's the helper, the Holy Spirit. And if you don't, if you don't, if you don't feel bad after sinning, then you're not saved. See? So we get, you know, we gotta we gotta teach you all this because if you if you go back to the world and sin, you know, have an affair tonight or or steal something or do whatever, you know, any kind of sin, and you didn't feel bad, you, you know, you if nobody knows everything's okay, then you gotta get saved. Because once you get saved, once the Spirit of God comes in you, you're not going to sin that easy. You, go, you, you get tempted, but you, but you have the greater one in you now. Hmm. And if, you know, yeah, you got to get alive if you don't feel bad. Are you getting this? In Hebrews 10, 14, he tells us that we are being made holy. See, we are being made holy. That's like you can't just walk into my and say, hey, you need to be holy. Because that word's ain't going to change you. God's going to change you. It's the Spirit of God is growing in you, but as you feed it, if you never go to church, then it doesn't happen. But if you go Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, that's why I always say that. You come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I guarantee that within a year, you're going to be a completely different person. See? Because he's growing in you. Stronger and stronger by the day. We, he, he, we're being made holy. Say, I'm being made holy. God said it, so it's so. That's what his word says. Hebrews 10, 14. Hebrews 10, 14 in the Living Bible. Do you have the Living Bible? For by, for by that one offering... He made forever perfect in the sight of God all those whom he is making holy. See, he said he's making holy. So that's why you eat the word, eat the word, eat the word, eat the word. That's the bread of life. That's, you know, that, that's Jesus. And, and, and as, as you do that, he's making you holy. So all of a sudden, when you come in and you're a different person, you just say, hey, don't, God did it. I didn't do it, you know. God did it because now I'm hungry for more, you know. Now, if you put Hebrews uh, 10, 14, Hebrews 10, or do you have the, uh, I think this is, uh, hallelujah. Yeah, I think it's a passion, but every, every priest goes, it starts with every priest, 10, 14 to 18, Let's see, and by this, no, Hebrews 10, is that it, the passion? All right, so what, what verse is it, 11? How about, no. Let me read what I have here, I don't know what. It, every priest goes to, uh, goes to work at the altar every day, 
offers the same old sacrifices year in and year out and never makes never makes a dent in the sin problem. As a priest, Christ made a single sacrifice for sins. And that was all. <laughs> that was all. Then, then, he, then he sat down right beside God and waited for his enemies to cave in. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person the, the, to, to perfect some very imperfect people. By that single offering that he, uh, he did, everything that needed to be done for everyone who takes part in the purifying process, the Holy Spirit confirms this. This new plan I'm making with, uh, this new plan I'm making with Israel, he says, isn't going to be written on paper. It's going to be shield and stone. This time, I'm working out the plan in them, carrying it in the lining of their hearts. He concludes, I'll forever wipe the slate clean of their sins. Once sins are taken care of for good, there's no need to offer sacrifices again. This is Jesus. This is the word of God talking right here. You know, I mean, he's, he, he canceled everything. Think about the religion out there. Think about what, who, how many Catholics people that used to be Catholics. Were, okay, think about that. As I, I can only talk about that because I used to go, my mom took me to Catholic church all the time. And the priest, he went up there to the altar every week, every week, just like we said, you know, each day. And offer something, but nothing changed. Because as I was older, there's an ice house right by the church. And as soon as the church is over, I couldn't wait to get to the ice house so I could play pool and drink beer. You know, I mean, so my sin problem didn't go away. There was a, a friend that I called or whatever. I still did the, 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 the sin problem, you know, after church. Well, what, he's telling the same thing here. Now, what we had to do every every Friday, we we had to go to confession. Okay, and so the Sunday we could take the uh, the, the 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 bread, you know, the the, the host. Uh, so we went to confession every week, in order to to take the bread uh, every week. But but you don't think about sin, you know. What, what can I tell today, you know? So you say the same thing to him, you know. Yeah, uh, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned, you know. And then you say the same thing you did last week. And then he says, okay, three Hail Marys, we're going to go, go and, okay, you got it. And, and then I said, okay, then, then, then Sunday I can go get out and get that, you know, and then, and then go to the ice house afterwards. <laughs> See, this is, a, this is what he's saying in Hebrews here. But that's not what happens in the church where we teach the word of God. That's why, and there, and there are not many like this. There are not many churches where they're teaching the word. They, they might say a sermon or something, but I, so most of us, like, like, like I think Theodosia says, your brain don't retain it. You know, you, you, know, you, put, you go home and they say, what was it, what was it about? I, man, I can't remember. So the, but when you go to a place where the Holy Spirit takes over and, it's a, and, and you come to the altar and, you, and they teach you to give your heart to Jesus and that you're dead, but now you've got to become alive and you want to be alive, then you come and you said, Jesus, come into my heart and make me alive, make my spirit alive. All of a sudden, you become the three that he created, spirit, soul, and body. Because you're not spirit, soul, and body. You are a dead spirit, soul, and body when you get, before you get saved. But then once you get saved, he renews your spirit. Your spirit's been dead all this time. Now, you, now you're spirit, soul, and body. But now you're going to have to guide your whole life to be successful by your spirit. But if, but if your spirit is weak and a baby, he can't guide you. So you feed it by coming Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And then uh, you grow in the Word of God. Now your spirit takes over and, and you become holy because he made you holy, because he's holy. And, and no matter what anybody says, your nature is to be holy. You might struggle with it. You might try to train yourself, to, but, but you want to be holy. 
You want to be able to be a witness for, for God, and you don't want nobody to call you a hypocrite. You go to church and look how you act, you know. Hallelujah. We're being made holy. Say, I'm being made holy. Are oh, you getting this? <laughs> We're not the finished product yet. See? Man, I, I keep growing even at my age. I'm still learning things, and I'm not the finished product yet. Sometimes I walk and I talk to God and I said, man, I feel different today, you know. I feel this, the Holy Spirit, I feel you in me. Thank you, Jesus, that you're in me. I have a conversation with him, you know. Hallelujah. We are not the finished product yet, but we have to learn his word and we have to obey it. I said obey it. Not just hear his word, but every time you hear something, you obey it. And obedience brings the blessing. I said obey it. See, he puts his laws in our heart. I said in our heart. That's the spirit man. He put his laws in there. Not in our head. In our heart. So you can't rationalize this with your head. You have to believe it with your heart. And that's where faith comes in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we fail, it will not be God's fault. It's up to us to obey his word. If we do his word, we'll never fail. If you want finances, it's very simple. Start giving him the first tenth of your income, of any income. Because like John Osteen taught me, if you don't tithe, you're not even in the running. So you're, you're, you might as well step out of the way. You're not going to be blessed finances. So you have to start tithing first. That's the first thing about finances. And then the windows of heaven will start to open up. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He planted his seed, and just like any seed, it will grow. Hmm. But it takes work to help it grow strong. With the full nature of God. The minute you accepted him, he planted a seed of his seed in you. And it's going to grow. You don't have nothing to do but, but just keep, go listen to the word of God Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And then take notes and then go home and study him. That's all you have to do. And then watch you grow from the inside out. The first person that's going to notice it is your wife or your husband. And then your friends at work. Hmm. You have to help it grow by obeying the word and staying in the word. Help it grow with the full nature of God and produce much, much fruit. We have his nature in us, but we will not automatically go from living according to our old nature to holiness. It's not automatically going to happen. That's why we read that we must work at the pursuit of holiness. We must work at it. When, you, when your spouses see you reading notes or reading the Bible, they never saw you do that before. So, what is, so they ask you, what are you doing? I'm working at the pursuit of holiness. <laughs> so I'm working, you know. Hallelujah. Remember, we're still in, in this earthly body, and we still have this earthly brain. So, hmm, so we have to work and study God's word. We have to get his knowledge of God's will for our life and what he wants us to do. Did you hear me? The more knowledge, everybody say the more knowledge, the better <laughs> it gets, the better the road gets, you know. It's all knowledge. See, last week we read Ephesians 4.17 in the Living Bible. And in the message, I hope you read it at home. Ephesians 4.17. It deals with three, three areas of morality. We're working at it, right? We need knowledge. Okay, here's Number one, write it down, honesty. Number two, peace, peaceableness. Number three, purity. So under honesty, now you just... If you're writing notes, under honesty, 
Hallelujah. It's right, I refuse to lie or to steal or to deceive anyone. See, because that was the old nature. Man, a lie came out fast. You know, trying to deceive people was another of our, of our sin nature. So, so those are the three under honesty. Under peacefulness, write this. Freedom from bitterness. Freedom from anger. The old nature, we, we got bitter real quick. And the old nature, we were angry real quick. You might even say, I don't know why I get so angry all the time. Because you had that nature, see? But now you have the new nature, and you're, and, and you're not getting angry like you used to. You're not bitter anymore. Or, or any kind of strife of any kind. Now, under purity, write this. Not a hint of sexual immorality in word, in looks, or in thoughts, or in acts. Okay? In the old nature, you couldn't help but think sexual. You couldn't help men, but you look at a girl and think. Or women, look at a man, I don't know, and think. Because that was your nature. But now that you got this new nature and you're working at it, now you feel bad if you if you have any kind of sin in your mind like that. So you look the other way. Now you now you learn after after being in, in, in the word that that you should think good of everybody, not sexually, not immoral, not bad thoughts. Now you learned last week. You're, you're, the, the people that go to church with you, the other Christians, they're your sisters, they're your mothers, they're your brothers. They're not, you know. So you know that you respect them. You don't even think that way anymore. It just, trust me, young man, it'll go away. After you get older, you don't, you don't think like that anymore. You know, they just, you, 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 that went away. And how did it go away? Because your new nature took over. Are you getting something tonight? I believe most Christians agree that there is a need to walk carefully in each of these areas. However, everybody say however. At the same time, hmm, the page is stuck together. <laughs> At the same time, we have to recognize how increase, increasingly difficult it is to do so. It's not that easy. That's why you work at it. You change slowly. How many know that in our culture today, honesty and purity are no longer essential elements? Okay. That's why in our culture today, out there, we're in the world, we don't trust anybody. Anybody calls you on the phone, oh, they're trying to, they're trying to take my ID or they're trying to steal my credit card. Or the, that's all we think, you know. And then and you hear people telling you, oh, don't give them your number, don't give them, you know, because they could do this, they could do that. You know, they, they put all this fear in you. I don't know who's doing what, but they say they're doing it, you know, stealing your credit cards and all that. Man, so let me pause here for a moment and ponder on that thought, you know. Lying and cheating, stealing, have become common in business and in making money. Let me know that. Sexual immorality is no longer an issue. In fact, it is an accepted practice in almost every area of our society. Hmm. I won't even talk about divorce, you know. All these problems or symptoms of our desperate need for peacefulness. We need to be peacefulness and know, you know. I mean, understand when you're married and you're married under God and you say the vows and you say the words. He said, forever, you know, I give you this woman to take care of her. Forever, in sickness and in health. Not just in the good times, but forever. There is no thought of that, that you will not be, you know. I mean, I, I tell my wife that all the time. I'm, I'm, you're mine forever. And I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I'll take care of you. 
I mean, that's how, that's how you should talk to each other, you know? There is no way out. We're one. The ability to quietly behave, not to be contentious or quarrelsome, the ability to avoid a war, you know, <laughs> and live in peace, gentle, kind. Man, that's peacefulness come in when you know that, man, we don't have to, we don't have to fight anymore. You know, some, some people fight, man. They throw things at each other and all that, you know. And, <laughs> you don't have to do that anymore, man. You will live in peace, man. You know, peace, we're, we're, we're you know. <laughs> Can I tell you the truth? <laughs> we, think the, 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 we think today the world is bad. I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, Right. But you know what? The same kind of society, even maybe worse, was when Paul wrote all this. When the Apostle Paul was teaching everybody, it was like, just like it is today, maybe even worse. That's why Paul wrote to the, to the new Christians at Ephesus. He said, and this sentence stood up to me, having lost all sensitivity. At that time when Paul wrote this, it's like, that's what I would say today, having lost all sensitivity. People don't have any sensitivity anymore. They're hard, you know? And, 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 and that's why we need to study the Word of God, because Paul was encouraging them not to be like that. You know, Ephesians 4.19. Hmm. In, in NIV, you can put that up there. Ephesians 4.19 in NIV. Uh, 419, I'm sorry, not 17, 419. Having lost all sensitivity, see? That's what Paul wrote then, in the first century, way back then. They have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. This actually was us before we got saved. I mean, we had this. We might have acted like we were nice and quiet and all that, but we... but we did a lot of this stuff. We were the same way. Ephesians 4.19 and Amplified. Put in the Amplified now. Their spiritual apathy. Hmm. In their spiritual apathy, they have become callous and past feelings and reckless and, hmm, and have abandoned themselves wow they become a prey to the unbridled sensuality eager and greedy to indulge in every form of impurity that their deprived desires may support and demand this is back then and this is today and this was us before we became spirit filled we point our, our spirit alive, and now we're on our way to holiness every time we sit here and get taught, and we're becoming completely foreign of this. But that's what's out there right now. That's why it's so important soul winning, because they, we bring them in soul winning so that they can erase this and become new creatures in Christ. But they need information. They need people to tell them. This sounds like today, right? And that was the first century. And yet, in the midst of such uh, gross ungodliness, the Christians were expected to put off the traits of their sinful natures. They were expected. Then Paul wanted them to put it off and put on the traits of the righteousness and holiness. Are you getting it? Paul was telling them to put this off and put on righteousness, and I'm telling you to put on anything in the past and put on righteousness. Same thing. Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. See, God, my brothers and sisters, expects no less of us today. He expects the same. Can I hear an amen? Man, we have a responsibility to pursue holiness even in the midst of a wicked society. You say, well, can I be holy in the midst of where I'm at? Yes, you can. Because you're supposed to separate yourself from the world. He said, come, on, come out from among them. 
I know it's not easy because, because the temptations seem more, you know, numerous and the, and the ridicule of ungodly toward those that, that profess to be Christians. People ridicule you. Your own, your own relatives ridicule you sometimes. I mean, you get to the point where you don't want your relatives to visit you. Because, they're, you know, they're just going to bring all that junk, you know. Sometimes, you know, that ridicule hurts people. Some people can't take it, and so they, then, they, then they start, you know, pulling back into the old life, you know. Athletes get ridiculed all the time when they, when they profess Jesus on television or wherever, you know. They, they, people start talking about them. Some would ask, how do we pursue holiness? Who would ask, huh? Man, that's a question. Okay, okay, Pastor Jesse, how am I going to pursue this holiness? I'm glad you asked. Because <laughs> now I can answer you. See, we all can agree that God's word is 100% true. Everybody say 100% true. And if he said, then it's so. Can you say Amen. I'm talking to believers tonight. If we want to obey his word, and I hope all want to do that, right? Then repeat after me. I want to obey. I want to learn. Teach us. Man, when I was doing this, I remember a young lady. You probably know her. Her name is Haley. And Haley was, uh, came to, we were, Haley was in, in a church before we left to, to, to build the Power Love Church. And we didn't just tell everybody. No, we, we decided on our own that we were going to do that, you know. And, and Haley got a, got a hold of that message, and she texted me. You know, she said, and, and, or I don't know if she texted me or she called me, but I, she probably called me because she was crying. And, and she says, don't leave me. Man, she says, I, I, don't, she said, don't leave me. I, I want to know. I want to learn. I, wanna be t- I want you to teach me. Don't leave me here. Man, and, and I remember this. Cause she said, I, wanna, I, I need you to teach me. And I said, well, no, man, we're not leaving. You can join us, you know. And then she joined us. She was here for a long time. And, and she's now a leader at, at, the, at, at the River Church, you know. But she, she, didn't, she would not stay back, you know. She said, no, I'm not staying here. I want to be taught. And that was what the attitude everybody had, man. I, I need to be taught. Hmm. Hallelujah. Remember, like what the, like Proverbs says, to learn the truth, you must want to be teachable. You must want to learn. Ooh. Hallelujah. Okay. I promised last week to teach on the most essential elements of holiness. And it can be summed up in five word in five words. And you can write notes, conviction, number one, commitment, number two, discipline, number three, dependency, number four, and desire, number five. Repeat, number one, conviction, number two, commitment, number three, discipline, number four, dependency, and number five, desire. So let's start with conviction. It means a strong belief, a strong persuasion, a state of being convinced. So take this down. We will never have conviction without knowledge. That's why it's so important to come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Because the more you come, the more knowledge you're getting. And, and conviction is almost impossible without knowledge. Knowledge of the Word of God is the answer to all questions. Any question we have had, we had to be answered by Scripture. If you counsel with us, we're only going to tell you what God said. I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm going to give you God's opinion. And if I have, especially in marriage problems, marriage comes, you know, they want to counsel. I can't, I'm not going to counsel with one. I've got to counsel with both. 
And, 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 and the answers you're going to hear is God said this. You need to obey it. Yeah, but my husband. Oh, no. God said this. You have to be. Oh, my wife. No. I mean, wife and husband, if you both were told what to do. And you, you, could, you don't say, well, I'm not going to treat him nice because he don't treat me nice. So she don't treat me nice. I'm not no. Which is most people know. Well, buddy, I'm not going to do that. No. You need to both obey. Because when you enter the gates, you're going to be by yourself. And God's going to say, you were obedient even though you had an ugly husband. Or you were obedient even though you had an ugly wife. You, you, you were obedient, you know. So I, have, I, I, I heard so many stories about wives like Smith Wigglesworth's wife and, and Lester Summerall's wife. And, and, and you know, and, and what, the way they talk about their wives, they, they, were, they did everything that the Bible told them to do, even though at times they, they weren't that nice with them. But they said, my wife was an example to me. She kept serving God. She kept obeying God. And that, and that changes the other person, you know, or vice versa. You know, I mean, the husband can bring, you know, coffee or tea to bed to the wife. And she can be the meanest woman in the world. And you still treat her like she's an angel. So pretty soon she's going to say, man, I need to start obeying God. You know? <laughs> Y'all don't like that, but that's the way it is. That's what you're going to hear, so don't counsel with me, because I'm going to tell you what God said, you know. <laughs> so you can't have conviction without knowledge, you know. Knowledge of the Word of God is the answer to all questions. Any questions we have have to be answered by Scripture. Why? Because men and women can rationalize anything. Men and women, you hear that? They can rationalize anything. But God's word never changes. Ephesians 4 tells us, Paul tells us, huh, be made new in the attitude of your minds. And to the Christians in Rome, he wrote, do not conform no longer to this world, but be transformed. See, we, we went to heaven, we do have a church full of transformed people. No conformity to the world. Transferred to change, you know what I mean? Transformed to change, to make over. Metamorphose, convert. <laughs> to change a thing into a different thing. Are you, are you the same? Are you the same before you accepted Christ as, as your Lord, as you are now? No. You change. And only you know. And your spouses or your loved ones, be transformed. How? 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 You ask. How am I going to be transformed? Well, here's the, here's what the word of God by the renewing of your mind. Did He say by the renewing of your spirit? No, because your spirit is His spirit. By the renewing of your mind, because your mind is what kept you under all these years. Now you're gonna. Shut your mind off and start operating from your spirit. And stop saying, I think. <laughs> Let me give you a piece of my thought. No, I don't want a piece of nothing, you know. <laughs> your spirit is renewed when you got saved. And you can read it in Romans 12, 2, in the Passion Translation. It says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of this culture around you. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit. By who? So he doesn't say by you. So you're not in charge. Let him change you. All you got to do is sit Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night in front of a teacher. A bunch of teachers of the word of God. And then the Holy Spirit begins to change you. Through a total reformation of how you think. You will never think the same once you stay, spend a couple of six months in here. This will empower you. Did you hear that? Empower. It gives you the power to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life. A what? Man, when we were lost, we weren't living a beautiful life. 
Satisfying and perfecting our eyes, perfect eyes, and power to discern. See, you need you you need the power to discern what's what's what you should be doing. Hmm. Enable, authorize, official authority, discern to detect with your senses other than vision. To come to know all, to recognize mentally, to perceive. He empowers you to understand. Don't be a copycat. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Just because they're doing it, you know. You don't dance, you have to dance like that anymore. You don't have to listen to that ugly music anymore. Well, but they don't know. I don't care what they do. We need to establish convictions in order to renew our minds. That's how it's going to happen. We're convicted. We're con my conviction is to serve God Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, listen to the word, take home and study it. That's, uh, that's my commitment. We must pray. We must expose ourselves to the scriptures. Then we will begin to understand what God's will is regarding our conduct and our character. Our character changes. Now, I gave homework last week, you know, and I'm and I'm and I'm gonna say again so you can read it. Ephesians 4:25 to, to 5:7. Read it at home. Go home and study those scriptures. It will open your eyes to the holiness and the conviction as we begin to understand the, the, the standards that God has set for us. See, God sets certain standards. Once you became a son of the, and, and, and a daughter of God and, and a citizen of the kingdom, then there are certain standards in the kingdom to live by. Huh. And once you understand those standards and you have that knowledge and you start obeying it, man, you're going to be a different person. Take my word for it. You came by peace. It comes from God. Man. We will slowly begin to move towards those standards. For example, at first, we may be, con con uh, we may be convicted of gross lying. But later on, the Holy Spirit convicts us of white lies. Why do, <laughs> why do we call them white lies? Because they're like social lies, you know. Those that are told to, uh, you know, to save face or... Or, or to avoid uh, uh, embarrassment. Man, as we practice holiness or godliness, day after day, the Holy Spirit continues to, re to renew our minds, giving us increased understanding of his word so we can develop convictions. So take this down. Holiness begins with the knowledge of the truths that renew our minds and enables us to understand how God wants us to live. Are you learning? That was conviction. <laughs> now commitment. <laughs> commitment to what, you might ask? Commitment to obedience. You're committed that I'll obey whatever God tells me to do. And then when you studied the Word, I said, oh, my God, I didn't know he wanted me to do that. Well, now you're, now you're committed to do it. As I studied this subject, I came across a great saying. A belief is what you hold. A commitment is what holds you. See? I mean, those are little sayings, but they're powerful. A belief is what you hold. I believe this, I believe that. But commitment is what holds you. I'm committed to what I promised God I would do. A conviction is not truly a conviction unless it's in, it includes a commitment. First, we need a commitment to holiness. Say holiness. holiness. As a total way of life. I'm committed to, to act holy in the way of life. That's a conviction. Would you commit to that? We must decide that holiness is so important to God that it deserves priority attention in our lives. We must commit ourselves to obey God in all of his commands. So listen to me closely. The number one 
reason most Christians don't do what God ex- uh, expects them of, of them is lack of knowledge. My people perish for lack of knowledge. So once you start, that's why, again, I say Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, because all of a sudden, knowledge begins to come in you. And you'll start saying, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. But the bigger problems you know, in, in the church are the ones that pick and choose according to their own values. Reasoning. You pick and choose what you want. No, you got to do everything. And you don't have any more values. You have God's values now. For example, some, some do a little fudging on income tax. <laughs> that they report to IRS on tax returns. By fudging, I don't mean, uh, you know, like chocolate fudge or nothing, you know. <laughs> fudging is a nice way to say falsifying. <laughs> Hallelujah. That would be a sin just, just as much as outright theft, you know. You know, that's why I said fudging in your ties. God said right away, you robbed me. And then you're like, wait, where did I rob God? And ties and offers. You, you owe me 10% of everything you made, and you haven't tied for I don't know how long or never. So now you owe me 2500000 you know. I mean, I, I was so fanatic. I, I tried to catch up like that, you know, go back to my old life and see how much I had never tithed and see if I could pay my pay, pay him off. And, you know, I tried. You know, I don't know if I did or not. You know, I can't remember. But I wanted to, to be, make it right with God. See? Now, that was, uh, I was fudging on my ties, you know. But it was lack of knowledge because I heard somebody say, uh, a couple of testimonies ago said, said uh, uh, we tied five dollars. Well, you can't tie five dollars, you know, because you know, you know you made more than that. So that's not a tithe. That's that's a gift. You that's an offering. The tithe is the first ten. Ever say first ten of what you get paid. Not the middle ten. Not the end ten. That's pigtail giving. No, God is so important to you. You committed to give Him the first ten. So the minute you get your check, if you get a check, you know, you take 10% off and write you another check and then deposit that check. But the 10% is already written first. And then you can grade when you come to the altar, tell God, God, this is the first tenth of last week's paycheck. I'm obedient to you. This is the first ten. I, I, I made it out the minute I got the check. You tell him that. I mean, you can talk to him. And you promise that you would open the windows of heaven. And they always come open. They're never, he's not a liar. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Here's another, uh, another one. An unforgiving heart towards someone else. That's a sin as much as murder. What am I saying? First, I'm not saying that all sins are equally offensive to God. I'm saying that all sins are offensive to God, no matter what it is. You can't just cover things up, reason it out. Well, this is not that big, you know. If it's not, if it's not uh, godly, it's not, then it's, not, it's offensive. For years, we have been trained in the, in the natural realm. And to the natural man, hmm, They have, they have levels of wrongs, you know. Or, or, to, or natural man or woman has, has small sins, medium sins, large sins. <laughs> but to the kingdom of God, sin is a serious business. So we have to reflect on the fact that every sin, regardless of how small or how insignificant it appears to be, to God it is an expression of contempt. Contempt means a lack of respect toward the sovereign authority of God. He is our, he is our master. He's our Lord. I don't, want a, I don't care if I upset a person. I want to upset God. I want him to be happy with me, and I want to have favor with him. That's why I talk to him. So let me close with Psalms 119.4 in NIV. 
119.49, you have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. What word stands out to you? To me fully, yeah, fully, not partial. You have laid down precepts in your word to be fully obeyed. Well, how am I fully obeyed if I don't know the word? That's why knowledge is so important. Because if you didn't know, then you say, well, I didn't know. Well, my people perish for lack of knowledge. See? So that's why you got to get in the word so you can be, so you can be, you know, fully know, fully obey all his precepts. Example, while we can refrain ourselves from outright theft of our neighbor's property or whatever, but at the same time allowing our hearts to covet it. I wish I had what he has. We might steal it, but covet is also the bad, you know. God is your source. He's going to give you what, you know, he'll, he'll give you more than that. Hmm. So let me really close with verse 5 and 119. <laughs> verse 5, 119. I will, uh, what is that? I will obey your decrees all. Say fully all. I will obey. Man, who got something tonight? Was that, did I overstep my bounds? Did you really learn something? Remember, this is a study night. Did I step on some toes? <laughs> and one honest person. Hallelujah. Bow your heads and let me, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we thank you for as our teacher for teaching us.